Timothy from Paul. He's like, uh, it's his son in the faith. Uh, Timothy is ministering in Ephesus. Uh, an amazing work happened in Ephesus. We've reviewed that in the last two weeks a little bit, but really cool stuff happened. Uh, but now there's been false teachers that have come in and have distorted the truth. And so Paul is encouraging Timothy in his pastoral ministry to set the church up right, to, to have them follow him. And so what we get in, in this book, it's called one of the pastoral epistles or one of the pastoral letters is a really good uh, example or template of what the church should look like. So it's, it's really cool. Sent to Timothy, extremely applicable for us. Um, last week, Paul talked a little bit about um, those who are under the law and all these lists of sins that were damning under the law. But yet, uh, and Paul said, I was one of them. Uh, I was one of the worst, uh, and yet God saved me. And so he, he's talking about the, the glorious work of the gospel. And we talked last week about how we need to own what God has done in our lives through our testimonies. The real work he's done. Don't deny it. Don't act like it's nothing. It's a real thing. And so to be very real about that and not forget, because when we are real and we remember what God's done in our lives, it, it helps us to stay in that position of grace and that position of, of mercy for each other, too. Remember how much we've been saved from. Uh, but the other part is, is that we have now been called and commissioned to a new thing. And so what you were does not hold you back for what you're going to do. So it's two things we got to remember. First of all, you were a lot worse than you thought, right? And then second of all, God has way better plans than you could have imagined. So it was with that in mind, we continue on in our context here. We're going to read through uh, from 18 to chapter 2, verse 7. If you'd stand, uh, if you'd like to, that is not a requirement. It's not a man mandate. Okay. This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, having faith and a good conscience, which some, having rejected concerning the faith, have suffered shipwreck, of whom are uh, Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I delivered to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. Therefore, I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men." For kings and all who are in authority, that you may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time for which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I am speaking uh, the truth in Christ and not lying, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your word that is useful for all seasons. And boy, is it useful for our season. God, so help us to, uh, to hear from you. Lord, help us to not be deceived even by ourselves, um, by our own thoughts, by our own actions, you know, our own... Uh, preconceived notions, but that we would allow you to minister and work in our hearts here uh, this morning. God, we thank you for um, your spirit that you promised to send as a helper and as, as uh, one that would lead us and guide us into truth. Lord, so we pray that you'd open up our eyes to see, our ears to hear, and that you'd make our hearts soft and supple and moldable, that we would be able to uh, 
to, to hear, understand, and be changed uh, where you want to change us, God. So convict us and encourage us and all the things you want to do. Uh, we pray that we'd be ready for that and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you guys may be seated. Verse 18. This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. Paul is charging what he calls his son, Timothy. It's like his son in the faith. It's not actually his son, but he calls him his son in the faith. He like loves him like a son, and he pours into him, and he values Timothy. And, and so he is encouraging him to walk in the ministry that has been given to him, that it's, it's been given to him from a, on high. God has given him this ministry, this place. So he's running, wanting to remind him and encourage him of that. He reminds him of the prophecies made concerning him. Uh, so he's, that he's stepping into something bigger, something big. God is leading him and guiding him. He's going to take him through. You're not alone, Timothy. You're here for a reason, and God will finish what he started with you. He needs that encouragement, right? We all do. He, there, there's so much peace to be found in that place. I've shared before um, coming back down here uh, from Orange County. It's almost been six years. Isn't that crazy? It'll be six years in April. Um, and uh, I, it, was, it was a wild transition, you know. Uh, things were so up in the air and so wild, and, and it was like, God, are we really doing this? <laughs> Is this really something you want us to do? Uh, it, the turmoil, it was like we were, we were in a really healthy, easy spot in a sense in Orange County, um, and it was like, you know, we had a lot of great leader. Everything was going really well. And then we were coming into a pretty hard season. Um, obviously, knowing what was going on with Pastor Roger's health and, and, and coming in. We were pregnant with Hazel, um, which no one knew. It was like what, perfect timing, right? Um, and, and it was just like, oh, I'm not sure how this is going to go. But it was really confirmed. This is where you're called. Like, this is it. And I could not deny it, couldn't run from it, felt that peace. And, of course, that would be tested. In the, in the coming months and years. I remember on one Sunday, um, we were uh, $300 short for rent the next day. And I've shared this story before. And we had a worship night that night. And so what did I do? We had another offering. No, we did not. Uh, but there was a piece where I remember coming into worship that night. I was just excited about worshiping. I actually forgot all about it. I remember thinking, God, this is your problem. Because I, I honestly can't even cover the bill right now. You know, personally, I can't write the check. And so it's like, this is your problem, not ours. You know, you've called us here. You've made it clear. This is where we're supposed to be. I don't know. Something's going to work. And I remember we were leaving, and, and uh, I was just about to leave, and I was like, oh, I should just check the box, see if there's any, an offering or whatever in there. And there's one for $350. And so I was like, and I remember I went to the person. I didn't usually do this because I, I wasn't touching them. Uh, I, but I would, I would grab it, and I'd be like, hey, I say, hey, just so you know, I'm not normally going to talk about this to you, but that was like exactly from the Lord. And this person was like, I was so bummed. I didn't put it in in the morning. I'm so, I'm so glad you did it tonight. It's just that God confirming, you're there. You care. This is your deal. And you, we need those reminders. But that's why it's really important that we're led by the Lord, that it's his calling that's leading us. If it's anything else, we're going to freak out when we see things shift around us. So when you see things starting to get kind of crazy, you're like, because I, I, I don't trust my decision-making that, that well, you know? 
But when God confirms, hey, I put you here, you're like, all right, cool. I'm here. I don't know what to do. I'm, of course, I'm going to stress a little bit about it. But at the end of the day, God, you put me in this position. And, you know, so that's the idea with Timothy. Timothy, don't forget that this is not your idea. Don't forget this was not your plan. Okay? God has put you here for a specific reason. He's confirmed it through prophecies for a good purpose. Timothy, your job is going to be hard. It's going to be very difficult. It's not going to be easy. But God is with you, and he's, he's, he's for sure called you to this. You were made for this. How much peace does that give, right? Knowing that. It's like, this is God's deal. I don't have to worry about that. So I'm always, like, really cautious to move without knowing, man, that's God doing that, you know? Because, uh, like I said, do I make good enough decisions? I don't know, right? So come expecting to be used by God. But if, if we're used by God and we're expecting to uh, avoid conflict, that is not likely. Uh, God calls us into the mess, not to skirt around the mess, right? And, and boy, that is just so obvious throughout all the Bible, right? Like the, the whole, you know, the ministry of Jesus and then the birth of the church afterwards. I mean, it's, it's wild, right? To see how, uh, how gnarly they were, all the stuff they were dealing with. They were going through so much. They were fighting against so much. There were so many things that were tough, right? And, and yet God called them and it's, it seemed like everything that would be used against them was used for God's glory, right? So Paul's saying, you are to, going to wage the good warfare, right? You, here's the prophecies that by them you may wage the good warfare. You have a mission, right? Here's your charge. Wage the good warfare. The other, another way to put it is fight the good campaign, right? There's a campaign. There's something out there for you to do, right? When we think about the problems of the world, they're just too big, no one has the capability of solving all the problems of the world. But you have something you've been called to, your campaign. I remember, I think it would say that for Halo back in the day, for the Xbox players, you know. This is your campaign, is that right? Can someone confirm? Yes? Okay, all right. I don't know. It was for something. This is your campaign. Obviously, that was, that's, a, that's a warfare term anyway. Um, so... Paul's charging him, and he's, he's reminding him, and he's saying it's not necessarily going to be easy. Early church, again, is our example. Um, seeing friends go and minister in really harsh environments is, is wild. I love, I, I am just so, always so encouraged. Um, I saw it on social media, so I know it's okay. We had a meeting with pastors down in San Diego, and, and uh, the pastor there he was, uh, that, that I'm, I know, friends with, somewhat friends with, um, was ministering in Ukraine right now. <laughs> and it was just like wild. They're bringing in food and all these different things and, and, and ministering to people. And it's just like, what, a, what an awesome example, you know? And, and so people are like, where do we send money? It's like to the guy who's literally bringing it to the people, right? That's a good spot, you know? Um, but they would go and do this. My friend Jeff, I remember when he got saved, he met this family, ended up being his, his uh, in-laws because he married the girl. Uh, but they went to Kosovo, just like early 2000s. You know, they just had a war. 
So they went into Kosovo uh, in a hostile, somewhat environment to preach the gospel. I love that. Calvary Chapel Budapest in Hungary uh, was established uh, largely off of work that had been done in Subutica, Yugoslavia, back in the day. And the reason that that work had such an effectiveness was that these people, the, the, the missionaries decided to stay, a couple of them, throughout the war. When everybody else was out, they stayed, and they decided to minister and work, and it built up such a, uh, just a trust in these people. I love that. So it's, it's interesting to know. It, look, if you're looking for green pastures and easy life, that's, that is an American dream. That is not a biblical reality. But the biblical reality is so much better because you get to watch God do really cool stuff again and again and again, Right? I think that, that that's where we're at right now. Starting to see like God doing really cool things as our world continues to shake and quake. But it's got to be in the mess. We're in the mix. Just like Timothy, we're to wage the good warfare. So what does that look like? How does that work? Okay, keep on going here. Having faith and a good conscience, which some having rejected concerning the faith, have suffered shipwreck, of whom is Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I deliver to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. That last part sounds pretty gnarly. We'll get into it in a second. You're like, what, you can do that? Uh, <laughs> has anybody done that to me? Um, no. Here's the deal, though. Our weapons to wage the good warfare are, first of all, faith, right? Paul reminds him of faith. Having faith, just really believing God and trusting him, even when it doesn't make sense. This was a tenant of Abrahamic righteousness. God took Abraham in a land he knew where he had wealth, and he says, go somewhere where you don't know. You're going to go out there, and you're going to be, uh, it's going to be wild for you, man, but I'm going to do something in your people. I'm going to make a nation out of you, and he has all these promises, but it starts with an action of faith. Trust me. Believe me. Go where I tell you to go, Right? And so he, he, he says to them, having faith, just trusting God. Even when it doesn't make sense, Abraham left everything behind. Abraham was willing to sacrifice his son Isaac, right? That doesn't make any sense. Lord, you promised that I'm going to have this great nation. I'm going to have these descendants that are like the stars in the sky or the sand on the shores. You promised me that, and I finally have the kid at 100. This was a feat and you're, not, you're telling me to kill him. This doesn't make any sense, right? But it doesn't have to make sense. He had a faith to trust and to believe. And of course, God came through. And that would be his obedience would give us a foretelling of what Christ would be, right? By his obedience and his faith, we were able to see not only did God come through, but the generations after it would benefit from the faith, Right? What about uh, Moses? He's like, I don't speak very well. He's like, oh, cool. Well, you're going to go speak to, to Pharaoh. And you're going to go get my people out. And he's like, how in the world am I going to do that? He's like, oh, I got you. Don't worry about it. And he goes, I can't speak. Bring Aaron. Okay, bring Aaron. Aaron was kind of a mess, too. Golden calf, all kinds of stuff, you know. But Moses, when they're finally leaving, right, what are they up against? The Red Sea in front of them and the army behind him. It takes 
faith. But what does it say? As soon as he stepped, bam, there it went. The Red Sea parted. They went through. Faith, trusting God, believing him, even when it doesn't make sense. How about David fighting Goliath? He's like, who is this? Who is this guy talking about my God? Who does he think he is? David's like a boy. Goliath's nine feet tall. Come on. Doesn't make any sense. But David knew, no, it, it, he, he can't say that about my God. He'll fight for me. Don't worry about it. So they say, all right, fine, David. We're going to give you all the best armor we can give you. We're going to give you everything the world has to offer to keep you safe. And he says, I literally can't move in this armor. It's too big. It's too heavy. I can't use any of it. So he's like, just let me use what I know, and that's my sling. What's interesting, if you think about it, if David used the armor of Saul, he couldn't use his sling. He couldn't have actually even used the weapon he used. And of course, God used him in an um, impossible odds to take out this great warrior, Goliath. Right? What about Joshua? Hey, you want to knock down those walls? Just march around it and blow some trumpets, bud. What the heck is that about? You know, like blowing trumpets and yelling? I don't think so. No, of course, didn't really make sense. But God says, I don't need it to make sense. I just need you to listen. See, I can make sense out of things that don't make sense. I can make it work. Which is why no matter what Satan throws, God can, he can change all that, right? How about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? They're like, we might burn, but we're not going to bow. You know, if we don't bow before me or I'll burn you alive. We're not going to do that. And what happens? They end up not burning. Daniel thrown in the lion's den. All these things are against all odds. But it's faith. Believing in God. Of course, uh, I don't want to paint a picture of that's the way it always works. People die. We see it. Many martyrs, many people died because of, you know, evil men doing things. But it was never outside of God's control. And so we trust him more than we trust ourselves. That's the idea of faith. That we trust God more than we trust ourselves, more than we trust our circumstances, way more than we trust the news. And then what else? What's the other thing he says? He says, having faith and what? A good conscience. That's interesting. Is that like Jimmy Cricket, you know, talking to you or whatever? The idea of a good conscience is extremely important. There's a quote by John Calvin. He says, a bad conscience is the mother of all heresies. It's like, whoa, that's really interesting. So I started thinking a little deeper about that. A bad conscience leads us to to self-centered doctrines that we make to escape the fact that we are rotten inside. Right? And so we get way off. Heresies come really easily when we have a bad conscience. We try to find loopholes, and they all end in destruction. If we're not honest and real about what God is really saying to us, above our conscience, above what we try to tell ourselves, we, it's, it's, we are so good at lying to ourselves and trying to convince ourselves, but the conscience still has a way to speak to us, right? And when we know we're not living like legit lives, we know there's a problem. But when you try to gloss it over and manipulate and get everything to kind of work out, it's no good, right? What happens, you know, when you're, you know, you, you have an injury and you don't do anything with it, your body can somewhat adapt, but it'll never be the same. 
Bad conscience kind of works like that. R. Kent Hughes said, a good conscience is the mother of all sound faith. And the wherewithal to fight the good fight. This is really interesting. This has been my experience. I can stand up to substantial pressures when my conscience is clear. But without a clear conscience, there is no power to endure or resist. When you know you're right before God and you know you have a clean conscience about what you're doing, you, you go, I, I can, I can, it's okay. I'm here for reason. But it's interesting when it's, you have a guilty conscience or a bad conscience, you're not where you're supposed to be. You're, you're lying and all, it, you do not have the same pure ability to endure struggles and hardship. Really interesting. I thought that, I thought it was really Interesting, but that's what he says. You're going to need faith and you're going to need a good conscience. One of the, the, the good news is this, guys. We can restore to a good, ourselves to a good conscience, have a restored good conscience quickly with confession and repentance. But it takes that, right? It takes that. The scars don't heal a bad conscience. So we've got to come to the Lord with honesty and transparency about what's really going on. Lord, I see actual sin in my life. I know exactly what it is. I've tried to act like it's okay and that I deserve it or I'm justified in this way. But no, I I will not do that anymore. And I'm just going to be really honest with you and say I am sinning and I'm in a bad place and I know I'm in a bad place and it's affecting my inner life and I feel like I can't connect with you and I feel like I don't, my prayers are hindered, which is actually biblical. And I just want to confess right here and now, and then repent, which means your mind is changed, and as your mind changes, so do your actions, right? So then he says, some, so yeah, we want to live honest, real lives. Yeah, some, having rejected the faith, have been, or have uh, been shipwrecked, right? So we've got this uh, Hymenaeus and Alexander characters, right? Paul, that's pretty bad. There's like a bad group, and then he like names names, it's like not fun to name names. You're like, how did my name get in there? You know. Paul is, his idea of delivering him over to Satan is this, that they would feel the pain of their sin, that they would like understand it fully. And one of the worst things that can happen to us is having our conscience seared or having our, our uh, like we become less sensitive. We become dull to the prompting of the Lord. And that's where bad things happen. That's where things start to snowball. That's where it goes from like a little bit of a thing you mess around with to like deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. The most grievous sins we see in our culture all start with something semi-benign in our minds. Not that big of a deal. They all start small and they all keep going, right? But we get used to that and then we get used to this and we get used to that and we get used to this. I mean, we we cannot trust ourselves to think, this, uh, that think we can handle any of this. Paul is seeking for them to feel this pain and to return to the grace of God that's readily available. Confess. Confess your sins to me. He, he, he died for our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness if we're just honest. Right? First John tells us. Chapter 2. So, so Paul's setting it all up. You, you be this man that is set apart, that's different, that is, that is down to, to wage the good warfare, knowing that you're called for it, you're made for it. God will continue to be with you in it. But keep your faith, trusting in God. 
Don't let it waver. Don't let it get stuck in, in you know, unbelief by doing things the world's doing. Everyone's doing it, so we probably should too. Don't do that. Trust him, believe him, know that he knows better than you, and then keep a clear conscience. God, I know I'm lying. I know I'm fake about this. I, I want to come before you and confess it and be real. And confessing it to the Lord is a good thing. If you want to confess it to someone else, that can be even just as powerful on top of it, even more so. Because then there's like accountability. Um, yeah. So chapter two. Therefore, with all of that in mind, there's a therefore, I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. This is how the church will wage the good warfare. This is how we wage good warfare. First of all, with faith, with a good conscience. And then what do we do? First of all, pray. Prayer. Prayer is an, a vital part of our, uh, our lives, our spiritual lives. And it's the first thing to go when you're backsliding. Prayer. It's the first thing to go. Because all the other stuff, it's kind of methodical. Prayer, it's like, this is... This is connecting directly with God and believing him. So what does he say? I exhort or encourage, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving thanks be made for all men. First of all, supplications. Supplications is asking God to supply your needs. Lay it all out before him. Here's where I'm at, God. I, I, I'm, these are the things in my life that I'm struggling with. And a lot of times we don't even know what we're struggling with. Or the things that we even we really think we need. A lot of things we want. There might not be need. But bring everything before him, God. And, and you can even let him sift that. You know? God, I really want a red Ferrari. And he's like, okay, thanks for coming to me. I'm going to shape your heart a little bit. <laughs> you might not need that, you know? But it's not bad to bring everything before him. Lord, I, I just lay it all out before him, you know? He, he gives us this image of... This, this father that like wants to he just hear from us, just come, bring it to me. Lay it all out. I mean, there is nothing more therapeutic, right, for people than spilling their guts to one another. We get to do that with the Lord every day. God, here it is. Here's my burden. Here's what I'm dealing with. Here's what I'm going through. Just spill it. Let it all out. This is the stuff I'm stressing about. This is the stuff I'm scared even to admit to myself about. And I don't know what to do with any of it, but here. And he's like, yes, thank you. It's, what's interesting is as we do that, not only is God miraculously working, but there's all, like, to actually answer a lot of our prayers that we, way more than we, we ask for. That's clear in the scriptures. But he also, like, gives us that release of, like, you're no longer carrying the burden. You have now given this to me. What does he say? My yoke is easy, my burden is light. You're like, I don't think so. No, try him. Got to try. So it's like whenever we feel like the burden's getting too heavy, it just might mean that we've just taken on a little bit too much. There's just more than we should have on us right now, you know? So just like let go of a little bit of it. One of the times uh, we went to Colorado with our youth group, we would do this hike, 9,000 to 13,000 feet. I've shared about that before. Uh, but I had a whole pallet of water in my backpack one time. A pallet of water so everybody could have water, you know? It's terrible. Just like, I, but I'm so, I'm just so competitive that I, it was, not, I was not hurting. Oh, do you guys need to take a break? Yeah, sure. Okay, I guess I'll take a break too. But thank God we're taking a break, you know. I feel like my legs are going to explode, you know, or my lungs. Something's going. Something's exploding. 
and we carried up. But one of the cool things was uh, people got thirsty on that walk. Does anybody need a water? Yeah, I got one right here. I got one right here. Here you go. It was amazing to see. As the water started to go, the backpack got lighter. And it was such a beautiful feeling to feel, oh my goodness, this is what it feels like to hike without it. What was nice is that as we were going up, that it gets harder and harder because you're going up higher into elevation. You're above the tree line. There's no oxygen up there. So as I was going into harder terrain, my burden was getting lighter and I was able to sustain. It was really interesting. God was like, God wants us to know, like, just lay it all out. Give me those. If you give them all to me, it's going to be way easier. You've got enough to worry about. Don't stress about this. I've got you. So that's prayer. Supplications. Prayers. Is this more of like a general, generic, like, all prayers. Um, it's also, uh, in one commentary, it said it was tied in with like worship, that, that kind of an idea. Um, intercessions is petitions for another. This is like a prayer list. Like you have the list, all the people you're praying for. It's gonna be your family, your friends, your church. Please, your pastor, please. Um, this would be, this is, this is like that, a prayer list. The, the, what's going on in the world, what's going on in your city, in your state, in your school, all of these things. That would be intercessions. And then he says, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Uh, giving of thanks. This is a part of, this is probably the most neglected of prayers. Giving of thanks. And this is such a powerful weapon in prayer. Remembering everything God's done to be thankful. Oh my goodness. Let that soak in for a little bit. Look around and just think, man, God, you have been so faithful to us. Doesn't mean everything's perfect, but you have been, you've been exceedingly kind towards me. And if you're a believer, that alone sets that up. You've been so good to us. Like, you've given me so much grace. Thanksgiving, it's a big deal. But Paul is asking that all of these be prayers be made for all men. It's the whole group together. We're to pray for all men with these prayers, not just our friends, not just the elect. We're to pray for all. It, more on that here in this next verse. For kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. You heard this verse many times before, I'm sure. But Paul's saying that you would pray for kings and those who are in authority. This is not easy. And you might go, well, you don't know the rulers we have to pray for, God. I think you'd give us a pass at this point, you know. Look at the world and the leaders that are out here. How could we possibly pray for these people? Well, this was written under Caesar Nero. You know anything about him? He was like a relentless persecutor of Christians. He hated Christians. He was like brutal. Way worse than anything we've ever experienced in our lifetime. So what Paul is saying counts. Still counts. You can't just say, oh, you know, back then it was a little bit different. No, it was not different. Right? So you pray for those who are in authority. Right? That's... that's pray for those who are in authority. We, we, we need to, the point, it shows us how much we believe prayer works, partially, right? That's one of the big things is, if you aren't willing to pray for someone that you disagree with, then you don't really believe prayer can do anything. Like, it, it's not gonna matter. Like, if God wants us, if he says, pray for these people, do you think it's an exercise in futility? 
let's just see if they do it. That'd be hilarious, right? If they actually prayed for those people. I'm not going to answer it, but it'd be really funny. You know, no, that's not like, that's not who God is. He's like, if, if he's telling you to pray for, there's a reason for that. And we got to believe that God can do way more than we expect him to be able to do. And so that's important. It shows how much we believe that prayer actually works. That's, that's a big part, right? Uh, yeah, he's not asking us to engage in an exercise of futility. Absolutely not. Uh, but also, when we pray for people, our heart for them grows. And it's easier to live this next part. Peaceable in a quiet life. As you pray for people, you start to care about them a little bit more, right? Even people you completely just, you, you pray for them because you, you want to see a change. And you see, okay, God, this is an image of God creation, right? It's, it, it's the people who are the loudest and the rudest are the ones that probably pray the least, Right? You know, if you don't, you don't care about people, you could say anything you want to about them. But if you're praying about, praying for them, it's different. It feels different. It hits different. Right? And he says, in all godliness and reverence. That Christians, the idea is that we would act like Christians without a messed up conscience. So that we can actually, like, live as Christians to people we even disagree with profoundly. By the way. This is not to say you agree with them. Oh, let's just let them do whatever. No, you vote. You can vote against it. You be active in that. You know, uh, stop injustice where you see it, but don't stop praying for the souls, the people. Right? If Paul could be saved, if you could be saved, if I could be saved, anyone could be saved. And so we don't stop praying for the people. Uh, I thought this was interesting. Genesis 1 affirms that all mankind, it tells us all mankind is made in the image of God. That's what we know, right? So that means all persons, every single being holds dignity and value. God made them. God saw them and made them. And, and, And we see repeated again and again that it was he, the gospel is for all. The prayers are to made, be made for all. You know? So we got to have that in mind when we're thinking about how do we pray for people? It'll change everything. Last week we talked about there was a whole list of sins, right? There was a, like a, a healthy list of sins uh, that were uh, under the law. Remember, Paul says, I'm the worst of them all. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 12 is a similar list. It says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But what does it say next? But you were washed but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. Active problem, major problem, real deal sin. It is obvious, it is evident, it's everywhere around us. But we go to, to God, we go to Jesus who washes and cleanses us. So no matter where you're coming from, you can be washed and cleansed. And you're like, yes and amen, 
But so your greatest enemy or the people that cause you the greatest grief, it's the same truth for them. See, this is what helps us to live peaceable, godly, quiet lives. Uh, and, you know, because we're remembering the grace again, what we talked about last week, the grace we've been shown gives us grace for people all around us. I'm guilty of so much. So are you. But we've been washed and cleansed. What's the solution? Is it you? No, it's Jesus. So we keep praying, God, intervene on their life. Change them. Lord, have an encounter with them like Paul, where they're walking to their Senate seat, you know, and all of a sudden, boom, they're struck with blindness. Why do you kick against the goads? I won't put names in there, okay? But I love that. Such were some of you, but you were washed. We are all of value. God wants to use us, and people are into dark, dark, nasty stuff. But there's no darkness that can't be cast out by the love and light of Jesus Christ. So take heed. Be encouraged by that again. Because we keep looking like, man, the world's getting darker. What is going on? I think a lot of times the world gets darker so the light can shine brighter. I, I seriously think we're on, like, I really think God's doing something really cool right now. I think he's doing something really cool in this state, too, by the way. I'm like, I'm actually encouraged by it. I've heard of a couple people who are like, God told me to move to California. And I'm like, wow, I didn't know people did that, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, cool, welcome. Let's do this. I know some of you guys are like, are you moving? We're, no, we are not. We're here. We love this place, too, by the way. Uh, and I, so I feel like God's going to do that. I think he's going to do work across the world. But I'm so excited to see how he's going to use this right here, where we're at, in the mix, to see God do something that will blow our minds. I'm in. You in? Let's go. You know, let's go for it. So um, very, here we go. Verse 3. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of our God, our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God, right? First of all, this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, right? Who desires all men. There it is right there. There's the all again. Pray for all men. Desires all men. Women too, by the way. It's not just all men. But that's, you know, counting all mankind to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. God desires all people to come to the truth. So we're praying for all men to seek. And we're looking to win them. The idea, guys, is win some lives. I like listening to this podcast, the Biola podcast of apologetics. It's Sean McDowell. You guys know his dad, Josh McDowell. Um, evidence that demands a verdict, right? Is that him? That's him. Yes. Um, and I love Sean is always talking about how do we live winsome lives? And that's, he's, he talks a lot about that. He's like, this is how you're winsome. You win people over, you know, by you, you meet them where they're at and you, you minister to them and you reach out to them and you win some. I'm praying our softball team is winsome to our community, not just winning games, winning souls. And it's really interesting. There's been some relationships being built with other teams and other people. And it's been so cool. I feel, I feel like that's been such a cool thing. That we could be winsome, that we would look different. So we got to watch ourselves when, you know, somebody does something you think is wrong and you just want to light them up. You're like, man, I kind of wish I was on a different team right now, you know. 
but it's to remind yourself, man, we want to be winsome, to, to take people and look at their lives. So you look at your neighbors and you want to be winsome towards your neighbors. You look at your family members, you want to be winsome towards your family members. So that means living in a way that you are doing everything you can to reach out. First of all, you're praying for them, right? And you're just, and, and you, not, let alone God desiring all men to be saved. We need to have that same desire. Because sometimes we're like, can't wait for them to burn in hell, you know? That's a horrible thing to say. Tell me you haven't thought it, though. Remember, it's about conscience. Tell me about your conscience. You know, like, not really to that extent. But you know what I'm saying. You're like, the, the people are like, oh, those type of people are going to, you're like, okay, I understand where you're coming from. But our hearts have got to be winsome. God, you can save anyone. For there's one God and one meter. What's the truth he's talking about? Because he says, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. He's going to now explain the truth. This is what we are saved by. This is the truth. For there is one God, one meteor between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. There is one God, one mediator. So there's only one way, right? Only one way to God, and he lived love to the perfection. He gave himself as a ransom for all. He was the Passover lamb. He was Isaac on the altar. He was the cursed one who hung on the tree. He is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the way to salvation and, and newness of life. God prepared it. He set it up way back in the day, and it makes so much sense. It's a continued thread throughout Scripture, and then Jesus came and, and did it. He died, he rose again, and, and he, now he gives life and, and the spirit to those who are uh, found in him, now called righteous for which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I'm speaking the truth in Christ and not lying, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. Paul's saying, like, I was appointed a preacher. Again, remember, I was, God made me a preacher. God made me an apostle, a sent one, one who's been set apart. I'm speaking the truth in Christ, not lying. I'm a teacher of the faith. Paul's saying, I had a calling too, and my calling is to tell everyone I know about Jesus, the good news of Christ, because I've been saved by much. I want to share that with all. Remember, no one wanted anything to do with Paul. He was so scary. He was a killer of Christians. And now we see him as probably the most influential person in all of Christendom aside from Christ. That's what God does, right? Our warfare will be waged with faith and a good conscience. If you have a bad conscience, take time to allow God to push on those things we've suppressed or allowed to, to kind of fester, right? We don't, we don't want these things to shipwreck us because they can. Like ask God to penetrate our hearts towards others, too, the way we see others. Do we view people right? Should we, are we living in a winsome way? Are we praying for them winsomely to win them to Christ? And it's a weird word, right? But the idea is we respond to the gospel, to the cross. It's all found right there in Jesus. New life in him. All right? Cool. Let's pray. And uh, we'll close in a song of worship here. Lord, thank you. We, we ran out of communion. I thought we had enough. There's too many of you guys have been having too many communion supplies. So we're going to have communion next week, um, just so you know. Um, so don't 
come up here because we don't have anything for you. Um, but uh, let's pray. Um, Lord, thank you so much for, gosh, Lord, you're just so 